Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of You Want to Watch. My name is Gabby, and this is normally where I would say that this is a podcast where I'll let you know whether or not that movie you're considering watching is worth it. But considering that this is a bonus episode, we are trying out something different today. I have been watching a lot of TV in the past few weeks as I have not been able to go see anything in theaters, obviously. And sometimes I talk about TV shows in episodes, regular episodes of the podcast, and those tend to get fewer plays, which is fine. I don't do this podcast because I get hundreds of plays or anything, but I figured it might be that most people who are listening to this podcast are coming solely for movie recommendations, which makes sense because this is technically a movie podcast. So I came up with an idea to do bonus episodes that are solely focused on TV shows that they each have their own space and everyone can decide whether or not they're interested in listening to specific episodes. So moving forward, if an episode is numbered, it's a regular you want to watch episode that's about movies, but if it's labeled as bonus, then it's going to be about a TV show. And that brings us to our first official bonus episode. I specifically wanted to do this because the first three episodes of Chris Evans' new Apple original show have dropped today, Friday, April 24th on Apple TV streaming service. Um, If you've bought an Apple product in the past six or seven months, you should have access to Apple TV. I don't. I upgraded my iPhone, so I have access to it. Um, and I'm not sure how much it is if you need to pay for it, but I'm sure anyone with any technological savvy that's listening to this can find it somewhere on the internet if they needed to. The synopsis for this show is that After a shocking crime rocks a small town, an assistant district attorney finds himself torn between his sworn duty to uphold the law and his unconditional love for his son. Now, this show is based off of a book. I've never read the book. It's on my Goodreads TBR, but I'm not sure when I'll get to that. And usually I try to read books before I watch the show or the movie that they're based on, but I'm not going to do this this time because it has Chris Evans in it and I want to watch it. The show also stars Michelle Dockery, who was in Downton Abbey, and she was also most recently in The Gentleman. And then Jaden Martell from It and Knives Out plays their son, which is fun because it's a little uh, reunion for Jaden Martell and Chris Evans. And I kind of wonder if they had filmed Knives Out or this first, just to know kind of how their relationship was, what it was built off of. Okay, I just looked it up and... Knives Out was filmed towards the end of 2018 and Defending Jacob started filming in April of 2019. So they did Knives Out first. So I wonder if they had some fun talking about that movie while they then started working on the show. Who knows? So this is an eight episode show. It is its one contained season as of now, I guess. I don't know if there is any room to build off of it the way they did um, on HBO with Big Little Lies. Who knows? We'll see how successful, how good this show is. The first three episodes are live. And as I'm recording this, I have yet to see any of them because what I'm going to do is watch episode one and then check back in and do the same after episodes two and three and then let you know my overall thoughts on the first three episodes after I get through them. And then after that, Apple will release one episode a week, I believe, until all of the eight episodes are out.
Just want to say for fair warning that these episodes will not be spoiler free. So if you have not watched them, I will leave the timestamps of each episode that I talk about in the description for the podcast. And you can choose to kind of follow along with me, like watch an episode and then check back in to what I'm talking about so that if you don't want to be spoiled that you have that option. Now that that's all out of the way, I'm going to go watch episode one and I will check back in when I'm finished. Okay, so I have just finished episode one. Very excited to keep going, but let's first talk about it. So we open up on present day and Chris Evans' character, whose name is Andy, is being interrogated in front of a jury and we don't know exactly what has happened at this point, but we do know that his family is the focus of this investigation of the death of someone named Ben. Uh, later in the episode, we find out that Ben is a 14-year-old boy who went to the same high school as Andy's son, Jacob, and he's brutally murdered. They find his body in the woods. And so this is the tragedy, the crime that happens in this town in Massachusetts that then the rest of the investigation and all the events are going to unfold from. Obviously, the show is called Defending Jacob. So you know that at some point, Jacob, the son, is going to become a prime suspect. But we don't know that as they're first starting to do some investigative work. And there's a really nice scene that I think is done really well, because usually in like crime shows, you always get interrogation scenes with adults. And usually they're very like law and order-esque. Like I feel like everyone sort of takes the blueprint from Law and Order about how they're going to film those scenes. But I think it's interesting to see kids like teen actors put in those same situations because kids don't react obviously in the same way as adults. So like watching like Chris Evans character and then the Lieutenant who's played by Betty Gabriel, who's really talented as well, watching them try to get teenagers to give answers better than, I don't know, maybe sure is kind of fun to watch because kids obviously don't react the same way to being interrogated and so they're not getting the answers that they want until one of the kids makes a point to ask if Andy has talked to Jacob about the events that happened and why Ben might have been murdered and Andy sort of like why are you asking that you're clearly asking for a certain reason And she doesn't give an answer, but now the suspicion is really being put towards Jacob already in this first episode, which I think is really smart because we only have eight episodes to get through. Like, we got to keep it moving. Andy and the detective, whose name is Paula, receive information that there is a possible suspect who is a convicted sex offender. And that's their biggest lead that they have until that night, because obviously we, we got to keep it moving. Andy is sent this email, which he just immediately opens this random email with a link that he sent that he doesn't know who sent it to him. And I just think that's bad practice. I mean, again, we're keeping it moving, which is nice, but also poor choice. Don't just open random emails and then be clicking on links. It's the easiest way to get hacked but I digress. Um, He opens the link. It's to a social media post on Instagram. And 
the comments are kind of from different teenagers saying, oh, this is so sad, Ben, like RIP, all these kind of things until you get to some that say like, Jacob, shut up, go away. We know what you did. And there's a comment from Jacob that's saying that nobody knew him and nobody really cared about him and he's dead. So why are you posting on his account? Which one, okay, Jacob, you already were a little weird. You were reacting a little weird, but here we go. Let's get into it. Wow. Andy then sees a comment from one of Jacob's friends that says, we know you did it. I saw the knife. And then he goes up to Jacob's room. He snoops. He finds a knife, which again, I'm going to keep praising the show for not wasting my time. I love when my time's not wasted. The episode was only 45 minutes long. And I think most of them are going to be about that length, which again, I'm full support of. We should not be having all of these shows that have like hour plus long episodes that have 13 episodes per season. We do not need that. Always less is more. Okay. Less is more. I'm very excited to keep going with this show. Chris Evans looks good as always. He's got the beard going. I'm a big fan. Jaden Martell is creepy and unnerving as always. I really don't know how he's ever going to play anything other than like the socially awkward, probably killed someone type of person, but I mean, he's good at it. So keep it up, kid. So far, Michelle Dockery hasn't done anything other than just be Andy's wife. Her name is Lori. Um, We know that she works for this like home for disadvantaged kids. That's kind of all we know. Um, She's like close with lots of the moms. So she's basically just like the suburban mom type of character as of the end of episode one. But I am interested to see sort of how they will use Michelle Dockery's talents because she's incredibly talented. And I don't think they would have gotten her in this show if she wasn't meant to have lots of really pivotal emotional scenes. So I'm excited to see that. And I don't really have any other thoughts other than I want to keep going. Okay, I have finished episode two. So let's just jump in. We start off with Andy and Lori interrogating Jacob over the knife that Andy has found. And already there is questionable behavior happening from Andy. Like I get protecting your children, but he's the DA. Like he should know that you can't just hide knives and throw knives away. That obviously there's some doubt that maybe Jacob could have been the one to do it. He's been accused and then you find a knife and your first instinct is to throw it away. Hmm. Probably not a good DA. Chris Evans, probably not. Also, Chris Evans definitely doesn't look old enough to have a 14-year-old son. Like if we think that he's 38, his character Andy's 38, the way Chris Evans is in real life, that means he had his son when he was 24, which I guess is possible. Like people have children younger than that, but it just, I don't get the vibe that Chris Evans is a dad with a 14-year-old kid, but he is very good at being the pissed off, concerned parent. So I guess that's all we need from him for this show. So it works. In this episode, we get a time jump back to present day and the interrogation scene. I'm sure there's an actual word for that, but it's not like an actual trial. So I don't want to call it that. I feel like interrogation works just fine. Um, And the person who is leading that 
is played by Pablo Schreiber, who was Nick Sabotka in The Wire. So I'm doing a quick plug for The Wire. If you haven't seen that show, HBO is running a free month. So it's all on there. You can watch all five seasons. I have successfully gotten two different people to start The Wire during this quarantine time. So if I can get more people to jump on that train, I am all for it. But back to defending Jacob. Um, So we jump into present day, which I am kind of irritated with. I feel like we don't need to be interrupted like that. I'm still questioning why we can't just get shows told with linear storytelling shows and movies both. Like sometimes it's fine to just tell a story without cutting back and forth between time periods because it's not always needed. Sometimes it makes it more confusing. I feel like the show could do without it. I also think it's funny personally for me in this is that as soon as the doubt was brought and the idea was brought that um, Jacob had possibly killed Ben, I immediately was like, yeah, I believe that. And I didn't ever think that maybe he might be innocent because innocent until proven guilty does not have to work for me, the TV show watcher. Um, so I never even like considered that maybe he didn't do it. But obviously the parents in this situation, their first thought is going to be that their kid is not a psycho murderer. So we get this really big scene where Andy is brought in in front of his boss and she's basically letting him know that they have found evidence. They found a fingerprint of Jacob's on Ben's sweater. And so now Andy is going to be taken off the case now that his son is a suspect. And there's really some nice acting from Chris Evans here where he's like trying to defend Jacob who we get it. We're doing the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the TV and once upon a time in Hollywood thing here. And he's pleading for his boss and the FBI agents that are in the room to listen to him to believe that his son could never do anything like this. And honestly, the cognitive dissonance that I started putting on to where I was like, huh, maybe Andy's right. Maybe Jacob didn't do it. Maybe I was too quick to judge. Who knows? And then I kind of came back to my senses and I was like, wait, this is a very privileged white family in Massachusetts. Obviously, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt through this process at some point. Like he's not going to be fully attacked and prosecuted the way that anyone else who isn't white would be treated in this situation. So then I kind of didn't feel as bad. But Chris Evans does do a pretty good job of pleading to not have his son arrested. And maybe in any other situation, it would have worked. When the cops finally locate Jacob, uh, they find him in like some random park, it looks like. Uh, He immediately starts talking. And I just question, if your dad's the DA, wouldn't you know that you shouldn't talk to cops and give this information? Which then I also remembered that white and privileged and maybe he thinks they won't use that information against him but I feel like everyone should be taught that don't talk to cops cops aren't your friend like anything you can will be used against you in a court of law so do not talk to anyone keep your mouth shut even if you didn't do anything wrong but Jaden Martell is really good like I'm at this point now that I sort of have some doubt that maybe he didn't do it but also maybe he did do it I really don't know I have to keep watching the show obviously to figure that out 
at this point, Lori is still capital T, capital W, the wife. She says something very basic, like, don't shut me out to Andy, which I wish we were already having something more from her at this point. I don't really just need her to be around to be like, talk to me, wife. Like, we could be giving her some better things to do. But it is interesting that they've already given us some hints, both in the first episode and this one, that Andy has some sort of dark past. He's having flashbacks to a man and this like knife tattoo he's seeing. He had a nightmare um, at the end of episode one. So it will be interesting to see how that kind of fits in, where that goes. So I know that that is important. We will keep our eye out for that in the future. Um, And then the episode towards the end, we get the reminder that there was an initial suspect who was the sex offender that I mentioned that we met in the first episode. He gets pushed to the side when they find the fingerprint of Jacobs, who he explains that by saying he found him dead first and that he thought he was hurt. And so he grabs Ben's sweater to check on him. And when he sees that he's dead, he runs away. And for some reason, Jacob didn't tell anyone that he found a dead body and like didn't decide that that was important information to share with anyone, which again, your dad's the DA. Like you have to realize that some things need to be said when your dad is that high up in power, but whatever, again, back to the sex offender. Uh, at the end of the episode, we see that he has a bunch of photos of Ben on his phone and he's deleting them, which again, it's in the cloud. You can't just delete stuff like that stuff's in the cloud. You can get hacked easily by clicking links. There are like little technical, like tech savvy things that people in the show are not getting right. But I mean, I guess those are important maybe later on. Maybe they're like little cool clues that I'm already picking up on. Or maybe they're just me picking up on things that aren't important. Who knows? I have finished episode two and I'm going to move on to episode three. I have just finished episode three, so now I have watched the first three released episodes of Defending Jacob that are available to watch. I will say right up front that this is the weakest episode um, so far of all of them that I've watched. It definitely kind of feels not exactly like a filler episode because we are still getting some like things that are moving the plot along, but it definitely feels like a lot of the story is being told like I just kind of got the vibe that I had seen this episode before because it's pretty straightforward from going from the trial um well like the when they are setting the bail and everything not the trial but from that point to kind of showing the media circus of all of them outside of the house and then how um sort of how this case is already taking a toll on the family, Lori loses her job essentially um, because that they don't, the board doesn't think that she should be around children in the sense that the media attention is going to bring a negative effect on the school. And so she's not allowed to work. Later in the episode, she's told by her closest friend that they can no longer be friends because of it. So a lot of the different things that happen um, are kind of just like stereotypical for when a family is experiencing a investigation of this level. So it did feel a little too familiar and I kind of checked out for parts of it just because I, again, felt that I had already seen this episode and I wasn't thinking that anything too crazy was going to happen. And I ended up being right. Like, I think the most interesting part of this was that um, 
some of the time jumps and flashbacks actually started working for me in this episode because they are giving you a little insight into the secrets and the past that these characters are hiding from each other and it's finally coming to light. And so I think the one that was really interesting is that we already found out what the flashbacks that Andy are having about the man with the knife and the knife tattoo. They are of his father. His father is in prison and he has been since Andy was six years old. He lied about that to Lori. Him and his mother created the story that he never knew his father. Um, And so he's been telling that lie his entire life, but now they think it's going to come out in the news. And so he has to be honest. And already I'm like, you're going to lie about that your entire life. I think it might be possible that you have some other lies hidden. And I'm sure we're going to figure out what those are. He's going around asking for things that aren't technically illegal, but definitely he shouldn't be looking into the case this way because of the conflict of interest. He's asking the detective that he had worked with earlier to get some information for him, and she definitely should not be doing that. But I get that he's concerned father, but I can already see how this is going to come back and bite him in the butt later on. So that'll be fun to see later. There's also a scene that made me laugh because Jacob is playing like on Xbox Live or something. And so he's talking to the people he's playing with and Andy comes in and he's asking Jacob if he thinks that's a good idea and telling him that things can be recorded and taken out of context. And so he needs to be really careful. But I'm still going back to episode one when he got that email from that random account and he immediately clicked on the link and he wasn't worried about what was going to happen then and so I just think it's funny that he I guess will pick and choose when he thinks his cybersecurity is up to par but that was just funny for me one big flashback and important point that we get is that as Lori is going on a run as she frequently does she has these flashbacks of when she's remembering being at a bowling alley and she's watching Jacob hold a bowling ball over his head and it looks as if he's about to throw it onto another like into the back of a head of another child and that was really insane from the um, flashback it seems that she pays enough attention and realizes what's about to happen and she stops it Um, but obviously she's now thinking of his past violent tendencies and her and Andy go to like this psychiatrist person that's hired through the lawyer that they have for Jacob and they start talking about Jacob as a child and apparently he's had multiple instances of being very violent and not pleasant as a child which I'm sure some things are normal and some things aren't but it just it's not looking good for Jacob if we look at patterns and see how that can evolve into being violent as an adult and obviously these past instances of violence are going to be important later on it will probably get used against him in the trial and so that's why they're trying to get ahead of it now but I just think it's an interesting point for us the viewer to know about all of this um, really early on because obviously they want us to make our own minds up of whether or not we think Jacob did it if we think it's this creepy sex offender who's still out there as an option for the viewers and for Andy obviously but not as much for the prosecutor and the cops so um, they want us to sort of have our own opinion to see what information's being laid out but I just don't see it looking good for Jacob so 
I'll have to wait for the next few episodes um, to keep evolving my opinion. I will check back in once I have seen some more. But I would say that the show is interesting. I want to keep watching. I want to keep seeing what's going to happen. But I really wish they had just given me all eight episodes because I don't think that this show is really all that intriguing to want to wait week to week like I could probably take a break for three weeks so that I can watch another three episodes all at once rather than like as soon as it drops next Friday I need to watch episode four I'm not feeling that strongly about it but again that does not mean that I will not continue watching the show I'm planning on watching all eight episodes unless something truly wild happens that totally turns me off of it but Um, I really just wish they had decided to just drop it all at once. I think that would have been a better game plan for Apple, but I don't make the big bucks. They do. They get to decide what they're going to do with their show. But that is all I have for this episode. If you have seen Defending Jacob, you should let me know your thoughts. I would love to hear them. I would love to know what you think. If you think Jacob did it, if you think it's somebody else totally that they're not even looking at, I think that'll be really interesting to see exactly who did it in the end. Um, Let me know your thoughts. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of You Want to Watch. You can find me on Apple Podcast and Spotify, as well as on Twitter at YWWpod and Instagram at You Want to Watch.